It's our last look at the romance of redemption, the marvelous story found here in the book of Ruth, today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Hi, and welcome to our program. It's our final look at the book of Ruth, the message today called The Redemption Price, Paid by the Redeemer. And don't forget, at the close of the program, I'll have information for you as to how you can obtain this series here through the month of August as a special gift from us to you, our way of saying thank you for partnering with us and the ministry of Truth For Today. Let's take a final look at the book of Ruth, shall we? With today's edition of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. I love that Dallas Holmes song. There's been times I've been out of his will, but I've never been out of his care. Have you ever made a choice just to go out of the will of God? I'll come back to you later. I'll sow my wild oats, or in this decision, I'm going to do it my way. And you've gone, and and barrenness, and the hand of God seemed to be against you. Well, here's a man that says, I want to marry a gal that's been barren so far. But guess what? When she gets in the arms of the right man and the Redeemer and the will of God, we've got a baby being born. And a baby is born, and all of a sudden, Naomi is hearing the local women say, God's restoration has come to you. Your your face is going to be lifted up. No longer will you be called Mara. No longer will you be a sad woman and sensing the hand of God. Everything changed when she went into the field of Boaz. Just met the right man who fell in love with her who had the means and just happened to be a kinsman. And so they say to her, a redeemer is going to be born to you. And they're really talking about the firstborn child. And he shall restore you. He shall bring back everything. And she had no idea that this is going to be a part of the messianic line. David hasn't shown up yet. These are the ancestors of David. They, they've never heard of a Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7. They haven't heard anything about a millennial reign of Christ. She knows nothing about Christ coming and Messiah yet. It's faint out there, but not a clue that she is going to be in the line. Transferred. Naomi, when the child came, Some believe she adopted the child. Some scholars argue that. Who knows? But she became the nanny. She became, they had built-in babysitting, let's say that. Ruth didn't have to worry about who's going to take care of Obed. There was that baby. So this family tree will continue. This line will continue. And it goes on then to give the genealogy of David. David could say, this is my family tree. This is how I got here. These are the people. God squeezed in a Moabite girl. It's amazing. In the genealogy of Christ, we get a prostitute Rahab. We get a willing adulteress Bathsheba. 
And here we got a Moabite Gentile enemy, Ruth, all wind up in the Messianic line. It's an amazing thing that God wove in, we who were the ancient enemies of Israel, that we should be at the same table, that we should be in the same family in Christ. It's a marvelous thing. I hope you're not an anti-Semitic person. I hope you pray for Jews. I hope you pray God would save them. God loves them. They're no harder uh, than you were without Christ. Uh, God loves them. He's not done with them. And let me say this. Just because you're Jewish, you're not going to heaven. Any more than just being the Baptist is going to get you to heaven. Sometimes we say, if you're a Jew, you've already got it made. No, you don't. They stumbled at the cross. They need to be evangelized. They're lost. They're lost. Do you pray for your Jewish friends? Do you ever pray that God open the eye of the Gentiles and open the eyes of the Jews? What a marvelous thing how God is showing us in history, Jew and Gentile are going to come together. Now, what can we see in all this? Is there any analogy I see? First of all, I see in this marvelous picture of kinsman redeemer, the first requirement is you've got to be my kinsman. And I listened to Hebrews 2 that he said, he did not come to bring help to angels. Christ did not ever save angels. Every angel that rebelled against Christ, there is no salvation. There is no help. God has never reached out towards fallen spirit beings. One choice sealed their doom eternally. One choice. But he sent Christ to come for us who were less than angels, beneath angels. And he says in Hebrews 2 that he may lay hold of the descendants of Abraham that comes to be the descendants of the human race. He came and was born among us, tempted in all points like we are. He said in Hebrews 10, Thou hast not desired animal sacrifices, but a body you have formed for me. And I'm coming in a human body to deal with the human problem. And to think of God, according to John, that he pitched a tent. He literally tabernacled among us, and we viewed his glory as the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Our God became a man tempted among us, and John could say, we touched him. And he says it in the tense in the Greek. We touched him, and we can still feel the touch. We heard him, and we can still hear his voice. We saw him, and we still can see him. It's a strange thing. It doesn't happen every day. But this morning, I was talking to my mom and dad. I, I, I don't do that two times a year. But just this morning when I was saving everything, I just, talk, I just see my dad and mom. And I just thought, oh, man. Would it not be a treat to be talking with them right now? But I'll see them future. But John said in 90 AD, I saw God. I touched God. I heard God. He was in a human form. And only Antichrist deny that he came in a body. 
He became our kinsman. He's acquainted with our bankruptcy. And then, was he able? I love this verse. If you'll turn with me, let me just turn you to two verses. I'm listening. We have few Bibles here. We use the Bible in this church. I'm listening. Are you turning? Titus. And if you were in the Spirit, you would know. <laughs> Titus 2. Titus 2. All the carnal believers get it. Come on now. Titus 2. Forgive me. That was an insincere apology. Look at 2.14. Are you there? Titus 2. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to kinsmen redeemer us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's why I wanted us to sing redeemed how I love to proclaim it. I'm a redeemed person as you are. Every believer can say, I've been bought. And have you ever thought about what your family would put up for you if you were kidnapped? It's a little scary, especially for my family. I'm afraid they say, keep him. They don't kidnap poor people's children. There's nothing to negotiate with, right? When I lived in South Richmond in the 40s and 50s, nobody ever, we had no robberies in the project. What's there to steal? But he said, Christ gave himself as the ransom for us. Mark 10, 45, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. And what is a ransom? Literally, it is the giving of a sum, whatever that is, giving a price to release something that you want to redeem. I want to get this mic. I got to give the store clerk, here's so much money, it's cost 100 bucks. In essence, every time you go shopping, you redeem, but we've ruined it by Visa because we don't know who owns it. But if it's cash, you know I own this. I paid the exchange price. And to get you to heaven, somebody had to pay the price. Christ said, I ransomed you. He looked at 1 Peter uh, when he said, when God ransomed you in chapter 1, it didn't come out of coinage. It didn't come from gold and silver. But notice verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Christ is able because of the worth of his person. And of course, he's willing. I... Uh, I'm amazed at how simple the thought is that I'm going to share with you. But how uh, I've been profoundly moved by it. I've never thought of it till this series on Ruth. 
And that is that every sacrifice up to Christ, the sacrifice itself never was willing to be sacrificed. I mean, it just worked out that you happen to be a sheep born into the household of a guy that loves God, and guess what? It might be curtains for you next year because he may want to give you to the priest. And so what was really at stake, the active part, was the worshiper. But what the worshiper gave, the sacrifice, had no say, no say whatsoever. The wheat didn't say, I want to be given. Uh, the bullock didn't say, I want to be burned up. The lamb did not say, I want my throat slit and my blood poured out. No sacrifice was ever willing. None, none, none. The only willing sacrifice we have in all the Bible is Christ himself. For he was not only the giver, but the gift that was given. Not only was God so loved the world that he gave his son, but we've got John 10 where the son could say, I so love my sheep that I gave myself. Active participation. Boaz has nobody twisting his arm to buy this girl or this property. One was just straight business. The other was grace, kindness, love. I want more than property. I've got plenty of property. And you see, God could have said, I'm going to redeem the earth from its curse. I want to turn away the thorn and the thistle and the desert and everything that's wrecked the earth. But no, I want enemies. I want those who oppose me. I want those who partook of the sin of Adam and have learned to hate me, reject me, break everything holy about me. I'm coming to die for my enemies. For while we were his enemies, Christ died. Able and willing. This is our Redeemer. I have a kinsman Redeemer who came all the way from heaven, showed his ability to die under the wrath of God, and hear his father forsake him because he wanted to buy me out and make me his own. So he says in the scriptures, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. When was the purchase? At the cross. At the cross. God bought you. I uh, remember growing up as a boy, hearing the story of a young man that had fled home, had a rift with his mom and dad, and fled home, and as the years rolled by, he became homesick. He wanted to see mom and dad, but he left on bad terms. He wrote mom and dad, he's just country boy, their house is down by the railroad. There's a certain place where the train came around a bend, and his folks' place was there on the left. And he wrote, and he said, Mom and Dad, I know I hurt you deeply when I left, and it's been some years now, but I'm homesick. I want to see you. The years are rolling over you and me. I don't want the rift anymore. I don't know if I'm welcome. I don't know if you are willing to see me. 
but I, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to take the train, and I'm going to do this. If you'll do this for me, if I'm welcome, if mom would just put out one sheet, put it in the backyard there where she hangs clothes, I'll know that I'm welcome. If not, I'll keep on going, and I won't bother you anymore. The day came, the boy's on the train, and as he comes to the town where he grew up, they had to go to another stop. They would be passing the old home place. And as they came to that bend, the boy started looking, started looking in the backyard of where he grew up. And when he looked there, all he could see was sheets. Every line, every line had a sheet hung up. Everywhere he saw, nothing but sheets. All they were trying to say is, welcome home. You see, Calvary was where God hung out the sheet. Calvary is where God said, uh, you've lost everything in the fall. Some of you may be here today, you're desperately in need of a redeemer. And what we find in Boaz, he was willing. But do you remember the story? Before this scene, before the city gate, this woman came, and she put herself at the feet of Boaz at the threshing floor. And she said, please throw the hem of your garment around me. Throw your wings around me. I need your help. And I don't know about you, but the most stubborn being on the face of the earth happens to be people like you. We can teach donkeys better than we can teach some people. Because the human will is stubborn, proud, and even when you're barren, even when you're bankrupt, even when you're going to hell, you can still say no to a redeemer. It, it, it baffles me. You see, we believe you've got a free will. You've got a free will. Did you know that? But, let me tell you something about your will. You're as free as a bird in a cage. You just don't know how to get out of the cage. Or you're just as free, if I was quoting Jonathan Edwards, you are free to choose within your nature. You only choose within keeping of your nature. Now, let me give you an example, and I love this. Jonathan Edwards gave it to me, and I think it's the best. You're free, but you choose within your nature. Do you ever go out, and there's ice cream on the menu, and it says, uh, uh, let's say, chocolate strawberry, and you want ice cream, and they come and say, there's no vanilla. It says, no, no, thank you. I, Wait, you want ice cream? I do. Do you have vanilla? No. Sir, we've got chocolate. We've got I said I want vanilla. So you're free to choose. You could have some chocolate. Why don't you? It's ice cream, right? I don't like chocolate. Do you like ice cream? I like chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream. I think of a lion and the cow. The cow's starving to death, so we go out there and we throw 20 pounds of steaks. What happens to the cow? Huh? Starves to death with a hamburger in its mouth. There's nothing in that steak that that cow's ever going to go for. 
die of starvation with 20 stakes in front of it. You know why? That cow chooses within its nature. It, it lives on grass. Guess what? Throw a bale of hay out in front of a hungry lion. Will that feed him? What's wrong? They choose in keeping with their nature, and you by nature are a slave to sin. He that practices sin is the slave of sin, John 8. But I've come that you might be set free. You're free to choose within your nature, and your nature is to hate God, to be religious, and to reject Christ because we are self-sufficient going to hell people. And it takes the grace of God to say, we're really broke. We're really incapable of this transaction. We need a redeemer. We need someone else to step up for us, to pay our debt, to speak for us. What is amazing, to find somebody that loves us enough that they would pay a price to have us. It's amazing to me people who adopt children. Why do you adopt a liability? We've got people in this church pay $10,000, $10,000 to ever have to feed, clothe, and care for a kid that may be a brat. We call this adoption. You don't know what the child's going to be. I want to tell you, the two grandsons that we have that have been adopted, man, we're praying they'll get saved quick. They act like anything like those who beget them, they'll be wasted. But guess what? When you love, you can do what seems irrational. It's not a good business deal. It's just life-saving. And God didn't make a good business deal at the cross when he divested himself to purchase you. But Christ is the only one I know willing to step up and buy us. Nobody else would have us. He's our Redeemer, willing, able, capable. This is Christ, Christ our Redeemer. If you want him, you can come to him. He's willing. The issue in your life is are you willing to receive him? Father, we thank you for our Redeemer. We thank you for his redemptive love and mercy and that he stepped up in the marketplace to purchase us, to adopt us, to make us his own. We were not children of God by birth, but children of Adam's fallen race. Oh, Father, move in the heart of those who may not know you, who have never received you by faith. Would you open their eyes, show them Christ, the blessed Redeemer, how he paid a price, and they could enter into the enjoyment of that redemption by faith and faith alone. Save is our prayer. Save in Jesus' name. Amen. The Story of Ruth. God's way of illustrating his love for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what we call the gospel. 
This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. As we close out our broadcast, we would leave you with all of our contact information and a few reasons why you might want to contact us. First off, our phone number is 855-833-9864. Let me give that to you one more time, 855-833-9864. Our web address is valleybible.org, and here's why you might want to get a hold of us. Throughout the month of August, we're actually offering this entire series out of the Book of Ruth as a way of saying thanks for partnering with us financially. As you send along a gift of any amount, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large, we'll say thank you by sending you this entire series called The Romance of Redemption out of the Book of Ruth. Again, our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. We are a listener-supported ministry here on KFAX, which means we're able to continue the ministry as you link arms with us financially, partnering with us, becoming a TFT sustainer. Now, as you do, not only will you receive our gift for you here in the month of August, but you'll also receive our quarterly newsletter, our once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's our weekly video devotional with Pastor Phil. Again, it's all for becoming a TFT sustainer on a regular basis. And you can find out more at our website, valleybible.org, or by calling 855 833 9864. You can also write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, and we look forward to when we can do it again as we mutually encourage one another in Christ here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music> 